0: I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast, episode 66 of Voice First Health. I am so pleased to have you along for today's podcast. Today I'm speaking with Alana Meir, who is one of the leading experts when it comes to VUI design, voice user interface design, and specifically at the intersection with healthcare. She is a chapter contributor to the recently released book, Voice Technology in Healthcare. And she comes on the podcast today to speak about her expertise, provide some tips about voice user interface design, and really share so much of her knowledge with us. So, if you are looking at potentially creating some type of voice experience, whether it is for healthcare or otherwise, you're going to want to listen into this podcast episode because there are some real nuggets in here when it comes to designing your voice experience. So, without any further ado, uh, I'd love to welcome Ilana onto the podcast. Okay, welcome, Ilana. It is a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here again. Thanks for having me.
0: It's been a long time since we chatted uh, on, the, on the podcast, but we have chatted on and off over, I guess it's almost a couple of years now since we first met, I think, at one of the earlier voice uh, conferences. But mm-hmm. uh, I've been following what you're doing, and you certainly are an expert in VUI design, voice user interface design. So I was really excited to have you back on. And as well, uh, a lot of listeners will know you are a chapter contributor for the new book, Voice Technology in Healthcare, and I wanted to chat with you about that as well. So before we get into all that, I was wondering if I could ask you to introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners.
1: Sure. I'm Alana Meir. I am a voice user interface designer or conversation designer, and I specialize in healthcare. I've worked for a number of uh, payer and provider organizations as clients of mine, uh, helping them specifically with patient education.
0: Wonderful. And I'm always interested, and I think the listeners are too, how does one get into voice design like what's what's sort of the background there
1: and i was just thinking about that this morning and i think that the way people have historically gotten into design into voice design is different from how people are currently getting into it or will continue to get in it in in the future so historically uh it attracted a lot of linguists and linguists is still important but now a variety of people are coming to the the field from places like, um, like interaction design or UX design, those sort of, uh, places for me, I came to the field from anthropology and psychology and marketing background. So thinking about strategic communications and via an understanding of people's inner workings and also, um, the cultural systems that they act within. So really there there are a variety of paths in. Uh, the advice that I always give people is you have your unique strengths that you're bringing to the field and you should build on those strengths and, and pitch those strengths.
0: That's great. And so what was your first little um... – what was your entrance into the voice design specifically for you then? Was there, was there something that you experienced that made you think, oh, I want to be part of this voice technology industry? Or is there any particular little story there?
1: I fell into voice design. I really wanted to be a product designer of really any sort. I was working in marketing and I wanted to make, wanted to make the transition into design. And um, long story short, I ended up in voice design, which happened to be... Um, a good combination of things like my singing background, my, my marketing, thinking about the strategic communications, again, background, um, and a nice combination of logical thinking and creative thinking that I really enjoy.
0: That's great. And the, the singing is very interesting because there's so many people that I've spoken to in, voice, in the voice industry that have some sort, of, some sort of creative background. And I think it just it really lends itself nicely to that. So that's, that's really interesting as well. Um, so you are an expert VUI designer, as I mentioned, and you wrote this chapter and I was hoping we could chat a little bit about the content, but also your take on voice user interface design and why that is so important. Cause I know you're passionate about that. So maybe we can start there and like, why, why is this an important area and particularly for healthcare as well?
1: So often people think about design as the pretty bow that you put on a present uh ready ready for handoff but i think that's a that's a big misconception and a missed opportunity uh design is really the last mile logistics that get this thing that you've put so much thought and effort into where you want it to go and so you wouldn't have this amazing idea and then and then just haphazardly put it together and put it in the mail without any protection. You know, it's possible that it'll end up at the recipient unharmed, but it's much better and and better to align strategically with your organization. um, Better to think about who is the recipient, how are they going to receive this and make sure that everything is built to Um, to forge that relationship between the sender in this case, payer and provider uh, organizations and, uh, and the patient. So you need the right packing materials. You need the right building materials and you need the right box and you need the right truck to make sure that it gets to um, that, that patient.
0: That's great. And so here's where I think your, your experience really comes in because if somebody is listening to this and they want to start to create a some type of voice, skill, action, whatever you want to call it, whatever the terminology is. Do you have a framework? Do you have a checklist or do you have some advice about like kind of what are the steps you would take or how would you even start with doing this sort of thing when it comes to the design aspect of it?
1: I'm a big proponent of the design thinking process. Um, And it's just a few, a few step process that starts with research And every good designer will start with an understanding of the stakeholders. So when I say stakeholders in healthcare, I mean the traditional stakeholders that you think of um, when it comes to any sort of product or any sort of uh, behavior change uh, that you're trying to set in motion. And those stakeholders are both on the organization side Um, so thinking about strategically, what is, um, where are we trying to grow our customer base? You can think of it that way. Um, which is really, how are we, how are we trying to forge those relationships with our patients? Um, what is marketing trying to do? Um, we have to think about legal considerations. We have to understand what technology we have available to us. And then also what any downstream effects any decisions that we will have, will have on our organization. So things like, are people going to call us with more questions now, or is go- there going to be um, a higher load on the urgent care system? You know, what is what are the downstream effects? So understanding the organization side. And then there's organ- uh, understanding the patient side of things. How are they receiving this interaction, this information? Um, how are they receiving this idea? Um, and again, that's so you can figure out as a designer, how you can, um, how you can best package it. So from the patient understanding, it's how are you encountering them in their day as a person in the world, but also thinking about what is their healthcare journey and also who's affected. So do they have caregivers or do they have, uh, social events that they need to attend and thinking about, um thinking about events of late it's thinking like are they immunosuppressed that sort of a thing and understanding all those stakeholders and standing at the center and bringing them together um is the beginning work that a designer will do before they even start to design
0: that's great so it's i mean like you said it's a lot of research it's a lot of preparatory work it's a lot of figuring out what you want to do beforehand um what about from the, the, uh, the patient side, when you when you've designed the the application, again, whatever it is, and you're engaging with the patient, are there best practices that you would want to bring into the way you create the product that it engages the patient? Or in other words, almost like build some rapport with the patient, even though it's not an actual person there. It's a computer speaking to the patient.
1: Yeah, this is a big question because you've – um, you've touched on building rapport, which comes up in, in any sort of human computer interaction. And you've also touched on what are the nuances of healthcare communications, healthcare interactions in general. And you've also touched on, uh, what sort of culture are we trying to create with, um, with patients? Maybe that's three questions there. Then. <laughs> organizations. Yeah. So I'll try, I'll try and, uh, try and be brief with, with brief with each one. Um, So I'll start with the culture uh, aspect of it. So we've seen in, I wouldn't even say it's recent years. I I think that it's pretty well established now that at least in the U.S. we've moved towards uh, a framework of participatory medicine. So how can um, patients not just be passive recipients of care, but be actively engaged in in their own care? Um, And so thinking about that sort of, equal pull between organization and patients on as equal partners in, in their health. Um, we think about what sort of dynamics we set up. So that's the first, we have a culture of participatory medicine. Um, Mm -hmm. and the second thing is about how we, how we communicate, right? What do we, what do we say? Um, and what I detail in the book is that there are already really good guidelines for these things uh, from the EHRQ. They put out um, guidelines for how to talk to patients. And a lot of those translate really well for how um, a system, a computer system um, can best speak to patients too. Things like if you have an uh, an avatar, depending on your culture, how much eye contact should be, you be making. You should encourage mm-hmm. questions, uh, that sort of a thing. Um, and then the last, the last question that you had was about building rapport. So building rapport is really about establishing what I like to think about as the third entity. So when people or computers and, and, and patients interact, um, There's the first entity, which is you. There's a second entity, which is me. And then there's a third entity, which we create through our interaction. Hmm. And so building rapport is what is the type of third entity that you create? Um, And those are the dynamics you can think about, what are the power dynamics? Um, And so to create an um, an equal dynamic that we talk about from that participatory medicine framework, you want to um, sort of mitigate any preconceptions that a patient might have when it comes to the healthcare system, and even down to the persona of the system that of the um, um, computer that's uh, talking at it. So, you think about choosing a persona. I'm going to make it more concrete here because it's been a little bit up in the clouds. Uh, <laughs> right. So you think about uh, choosing a persona. Sure. Well, there are so all sorts of associations that people have with anybody who speaks to them and whatever sort of relationship that they think that they can have with that speaker. So there are very concrete things that you can do to even out those relationships and make sure that you have a, a healthy third entity. So for example... Um, asking questions like in the participatory uh, medicine model. Um, it helps balance the power saying, I don't just have all the knowledge that I'm talking at you. This is going to be a conversation. That's one of the benefits of building a conversation, not just uh, sharing information.
0: That's great. No, that's great. And you know, th- like the stuff that you're speaking about is just touching on um, all the stuff that you have in the chapter, because the chapter is so comprehensive and it's like here's the information that a person needs to to know to get started and then you've got lots of um examples in here um are you able to give us like an example i don't know if you have one off the top of your head where there would be some type of dialogue flow that might illustrate some of the the concepts that you were speaking about
1: yeah um yeah. So I just had to think for a second there. So what I was thinking about is if somebody goes to an assistant and asks about what, what is a stroke? So thinking about do, how much information do we want to give here? Um, what sort of third entity are we building? Are we building a third entity that is going to be comprehensive and gets into here are the technical details of what causes a stroke, and you need to stop smoking, you need to stop exercising. Or are we going to have something according to the um, good VUI design principles be brief and relevant and just answer the question at hand and then leave it to the user um, or, or patient to ask follow-up questions. And we can, we can prompt that conversation by letting them know what, uh, where else they can go from, from the information that we have provided.
0: That's a great example. And I, and I know that's, that's one of the examples that you give in the, in the chapter. I'm just looking at that and I can, you know, if people pick up the book, they'll see that in the way you described the first approach, which is sort of this, you called it the, it's, it's long with an agenda and it says, what is a stroke? And then it goes on. It's this like six line paragraph about what is a stroke. And then the second one, brief and relevant, what is a stroke? There's like a sentence or two. And then it says, would you like to hear more about the strokes? And I think that's that's exactly what you're talking about then, huh?
1: Yeah, and the answer may be yes or no. They may or may not want to hear more, but the point is, is that they get to choose.
0: And by giving them that control, uh, obviously, uh, you, that's very much what we do as a clinician too, is like you said, the participatory model where I want to, I don't think it's a great experience for a patient as a clinician if I'm just, you know, just this verbal diarrhea of like all this stuff that a patient may not really have any interest in hearing, or may not be even rel- may not be even um, ready to hear that type of information.
1: Exactly, and when you talk about that readiness, you think about: Well, am I actually achieving my goals? At which point did they shut down? At what which point did they decide that they're not listening to me and decide that you're not listening to them? Um, and what does that do for the relationship? And so it's good overall, strategically. Um, to keep it brief and relevant.
0: That's great. So would you recommend that anybody that is creating a voice application, even if it's very simple, that they should still be spending time to look at the design? Like, what if it is something just like, you know, I want to, somebody's asking for some facts about something still, do you want to take the time to, to set that up appropriately? Yes. <laughs> was, I guess that was kind of a loaded question for a UI designer. Yeah. No,
1: well, listen, not everybody has the resources to hire a dedicated designer, mm-hmm. but if you're going to be doing the work, you are going to be designing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even if you don't hire a dedicated designer, you can be familiar with the principles and what I think of as opening your senses to, um, to how to how does this feel? How might it be received? And you can ask yourself those questions that a designer would ask.
0: Yeah, and I I've I've, I've been experimenting with making some of my own skills and that sort of thing, and um, I've certainly done it the wrong way in the past. Where it's just like I I know what the skill's about, but I just sit down and I start writing a dialogue, and it's like quite honestly, I haven't really taken into account those things. And then when I sit back and I start to, I'm not a vui designer by any means, but when I just start to consider a little bit more about these concepts that you're talking about, I do think it creates uh, a more effective dialogue flow.
1: Have you gotten better over time?
0: That's a good question. I think I have. Uh, I think, um, I think it depends again. That's kind of why I was asking that question before, because, you know, some of what I think is really I've taken a step back here. When it comes to voice applications in general now, I think there are lots of tremendous uh, uses for it. One of them is just providing information, education. Another one is getting into more of a uh, uh, a dialogue back and forth where the, where the voice application is collecting information. And so that's why I was asking that question before. If it's strictly something like somebody wants to know, uh, I'll give you a concrete example. Somebody wants to know what is the best way for me to minimize my chance of being infected with COVID-19 coronavirus. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, What sort of VUI design principles or should there be VUI design principles incorporate in that? And of course, based on this conversation, the answer is absolutely. Um, So I'm just, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here other than the fact that, you know, I recognize it's extremely important and me not being a VUI designer, not having those skills, how do I reconcile that? I don't have those skills, but I want to get this out, you know, as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. I think that, well, first of all, I bet you have gotten better over time. Um, (laughs) that's just, um, just a product of how it works because you've been aware of it. Um, and so if you, it's like, if you try, have you, do you like coffee?
0: Uh, I'm not a big coffee drinker, no.
1: Okay, but... well, there, there are coffee drinkers that are, <laughs> that are, that are
0: listening. listening. For sure.
1: Yeah, so your first cup of coffee, you don't really know mm. what, you're, what you're drinking. But then over time, as you have more and more coffee, if you open up your senses to it, you can tell what's what. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if people have their senses open to something then they're just going to get better over time at, at, at that thing. Mm. Um, and that that applies to design too. So with this, uh, COVID-19 thing, I can give you a really good example. So let's say somebody asks an assistant, um, for, for information. Mm -hmm. Um, where do we get that information from with how much authority do we talk about it? Um, So saying, according to the World Health Organization, well, that sounds very nice. We want the world to be healthy, right? But if we talk about the Center for Disease Control, that sounds a little bit more intense. And you're talking to somebody who already probably has some anxiety about it. So why are they asking you? Because they want more information. They're unsure. And so when you repeat that back to somebody, you might want to... Um, If you're doing the World Health Organization, you can probably just put that information right up front. So according to the World Health Organization, da 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 But if you're talking about the Center for Disease Control, you might want to move that a little bit further down the line in the sentence to give some opportunity to create good feelings between the person and the system. Hmm. Maybe like, I can get you that information from the Center for Disease Control. Um, Okay. So creating, thinking about how are people receiving these things, what are the the feelings, what are the the charges, and and these things that you can do to um, create a positive third entity.
0: Very interesting. That's a great example. Um, It's such a simple thing when you think about it, but unless you have your experience and you're really looking at the words and the meaning and the connotations and how it makes a person feel – then you may not be aware to make that slight adjustment. So uh, yeah, that example.
1: but our point was you can get better at it. <laughs>
0: okay. right? All right.
1: Just open your senses up to it.
0: That's it. Well, that, I guess that's it. So, but just, just you, just having this short little conversation here about that is it has opened my senses to that. Right. And so I think that's the key thing. Um, Wonderful. Is there anything else that uh, any other key points or anything else that you'd like to bring up here that we haven't had a chance to talk about when it comes to VUI design overall or anything, uh, anything else that you would want to share with the listeners?
1: Um, when you think about, when you think about voice design in, in healthcare, you have to think about it as a strategic communication and there's so much thought and effort and so many meetings put into um, coming up with other strategic initiatives or communications um, out from a healthcare organization. And I just encourage people to think of voice design interactions in the same way, that they, they too are part of a strategic communication that can forge a, a strong relationship with an organization. And I get patients to better health which is what everybody wants
0: wonderful well that's a a really nice way to to uh to finish off here um alana this has been a lot of fun thank you for taking your time um where can listeners go to learn more about you or otherwise connect with you if they want to uh chat with you or you know learn from you some more
1: yeah i'm on uh linkedin uh so they can find me there and i'm always happy to chat
0: Wonderful. And I, and I also just want to say publicly, thank you so much for your contribution to the book. It's a fantastic chapter. Um, we've put it up uh, close to the front of the book, because I think it is such a fundamental, uh, foundational piece for, for voice design. And so I encourage everybody, and of course, we'll have links to that to pick up the book, Voice Technology in Healthcare. And then you can learn more from Milana from uh, through her chapter. So thank you so much for that as well.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. And thank you for inviting me to to contribute.
0: There you go. Hope you enjoyed that. Some real nuggets in there, as I said. As you can tell, Ilana uh, is, is an amazing expert in this field. She has so much to offer, and there's so much that we can all learn from her. If you want to get in touch with her, of course, the uh, links to everything that she mentioned will be on the show notes page, and you can access that at voicefirsthealth.com. 66 And if you're interested in finding out more about the book, Voice Technology in Healthcare, then have a look at the website, voicefirsthealth.com. book Thank you again for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to bring you these podcasts and I look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Take care.